The sponsor is just someone who knows what you are capable of and is willing to put their name behind you. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hi, this is another episode of the Sunny Side Up podcast. I'm your host, Justin Levy. I'm the Director of Social and Influencer Marketing here at Demandbase, and today I am happy to welcome Gina Stracuzzi to the show. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, Justin. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's always an honor. You and I had a great conversation uh, that I took away a lot from when we were prepping for this podcast. So can you tell me a bit about your background, your career, what you do now? Yes. Um, I've been in sales and marketing of, or business development pretty much my whole career. And I like to joke that I, I really got my start in sales uh, when I was a, a kid. And I grew up in a family of seven. And so my version of the story of how grandma's vase got smashed into a million pieces one out over the competition and um that's when i knew that i could be very persuasive and so i i really have always loved sales and um got into it early on and really had the unique opportunity to work throughout the united states and overseas um, in selling and marketing positions often with uh women-owned companies and you know, I got my real break in sales, it's selling commodities, becoming a commodities broker in Dallas, Texas. And um, that was trial by fire, I have to say. And it, it really, it really galvanized me for a career in sales. Um, I knew if I could sell as a New Yorker, if I could sell my services as a broker to um, cattle ranchers, that I was, I was good. So um, I really enjoyed that, and I have been moving around quite a bit um, for 25 years. And when I say moving around, moving to different parts of the world and working with companies as a business development strategist and counsel. And really, my passion has always been working with women and helping them grow their careers and their business. And that led me to where I am today, which is uh, I work with the Institute for Excellence in Sales, and we have the Women in Sales Leadership Center, which is, you know, kind of the housing for the Women in Sales Leadership Forum, which is all about helping women make sure they don't get stuck at middle management levels. And we have the premier sales employer for women, PYs. And that's a certification for great places for women to work. Uh, we have an annual conference. We do podcasts. So um, really my career has come full cycle. And now I'm, instead of helping businesses, I'm working with women to help them get to the highest levels of their career. That's incredible. And, and I love what you talk about with you partner with companies, but to help the women within those companies, right? You're not, yes. you're not, yes. uh, essentially a hired gun where as a woman comes and just consults with you, right? They want to get advanced in their right. career, but instead it's a recognition by the companies that you partner with 
that they want to provide opportunities for their females uh, leaders or uh, folks in you know middle management or what have you that's aspiring to get to that leadership role. Absolutely, absolutely, and and that was a good way to to put it too, Justin. Um, you know, I I sell the forum and the leadership center to companies, but I work for the women. And it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition, if you will, because, you know, effectively my clients are, you know, Amazon Web Services and Intel and and Salesforce and, um, you know, numerous others. But it's the women that I work for. And the reason this works is when companies have employees that are strengthened and feel prepared and feel invested in they're more likely to to stay with that company. And as anybody knows that's, um, you know, knee deep in helping companies retain top talent, it's a big issue. Retention is a massive issue, especially for women and companies, you know, holding on to women. So um, the programs are really, they're kind of dual purposed to help both the company and the women that work for them. Now, you talk about, in our ebook around selling in an economic downturn, you talk about needing to continue that investment in the professional development of women. Usually many companies would see some of these kind of L&D opportunities as expenses that aren't necessary right now. You know what I mean? We have to tighten our belts. We have to look for places where we might need to cut and uh, some of those opportunities are the first to go. Can you expand on why, and you kind of already did, but can you expand on why you believe it's so critical that companies continue their investment in professional development for women, even during an economic downturn? Absolutely. Um, and it's an important it's an important question, Justin, because, you know, it is our natural inclination when things are tight and it, things are uncertain to start cutting things out. And learning and development are is one of those things that goes on the chopping block often first, along with marketing, which is you know two things that I would argue really should not be cut. And in in terms of the learning and development and professional development opportunities, there are, there are really myriad reasons why um, they shouldn't, companies shouldn't cut this. And the biggest is, you know, at, in a time when hanging on to really good employees is so crucial, because especially in sales, you do not want to lose good salespeople in an economic downturn. You need your strongest players to retain or to remain. And on top of that, if you lose good people, you then have the added cost of what it what it means to replace them, the sales you might have lost while you're training the new people, and maybe the new person or people that you're training because of who you lost aren't as good, you know, and never get to that level of, of good. It it just weakens the the entirety of the sales organization. But if you invest in your people in an economic downturn, it means that you absolutely believe in them, that you want to make sure that they are as strong as they can be and as happy as they can be so that they don't 
leave. Attrition costs, lost sales costs, lost relationship costs are monumental. And it's kind of short-sighted to say, let's, let's cut, you know, 50,000 worth of professional development, and then you lose people. And in the long run, it might cost you a hundred thousand or 200,000. So it's really, it's looking at the long game and thinking about it's a great time to invest because morale is also low. Front lines are really suffering. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that 100% in that learning and development opportunities. I know, for example, even myself, I take advantage of all of the opportunities that I have at work. And it's one of those areas that you never want to see cut uh, during, well, at any time, right? You know, uh, having companies that are willing to invest in their employees and invest in them deeply in a meaningful way, not just we have a couple of courses on demand you can take, for example. Right. Right. Um, so as someone who focuses their attention on working with companies to up-level female leaders, what advice would you give now to the younger female or younger person, more generally speaking, that's just coming out of college and going into the workforce that now has that that steep learning curve and that that's you know that want to get to those levels? Absolutely, uh, you know it's interesting because there's so much talked about in terms of young people coming out of school and they feel so entitled and they think they know everything. Well, you know, pretty much every generation that comes up thinks they know everything. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, we all have to kind of open our ears and open our hearts and listen to what everyone is saying and why they're saying it. But I think if, if we could sidestep assumptions about young people and, and this advice is kind of two-sided. It is both for the younger person and for the people that might employ them and the people that would might work with them. If you're a young person, listen to what other people are telling you, but don't let it hold you back. Especially young women, don't sit and not share your ideas. Raise your hand, ask questions. Don't be afraid to, you know, be afraid of the idea that it's going to seem like you don't know something. Of course, you don't know something. This is a new opportunity. It's it's the beginning of your career. Employers love it when people ask questions. So don't be afraid to ask questions. And if you have an opinion and it's the right time and place to do it, don't be afraid to share it. If there is an opportunity and you think it is something that you would like to try or you you could add something valuable to, raise your hand. That, you know, that's the biggest thing we, young women and well, not even just young women, I, I would like to take that back. Women of every age will sit on ideas or not raise their hand because maybe they're, you know, either they were raised that way or socialized that way, or they work in an environment that is not necessarily receptive. So you have to keep pushing and that's hard. I, I won't lie that it's, it's hard, but if you're young, start now by raising your hand and sharing your ideas. Get in the habit of it rather than getting in the habit of sitting back and letting other people do the talking and raising their hands and sharing ideas. 
because once it gets ingrained, it becomes a habit. And, and then you go throughout your career and opportunities are lost because you didn't raise your hand. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. And on the other side, if you're an employer or a coworker and you have someone young on their te your team, allow them to have a voice so they get accustomed to using it. One of the things that's great advice, and there's actually a few different things, strings in there that I could pull on and would love to get your feedback on. But what you're just talking about when it comes to uh, within the company in, in say managers, one of the things that I think many managers or more senior folks take for granted and don't do enough, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is uh, given that limelight in that space to those mm. that are younger in their career and right. putting them up on the pedestal and working with them to you know, shine the light on their accomplishments and on what they're working on instead of that manager or leader or what have you taken all of the credit for what the young people or even the more accomplished are actually doing instead of letting all ships rise at once, they just take credit for it. And it actually breaks trust within your team and your oh, yeah. company as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, it's an interesting plight, Justin, because, um, you know, you, we make these, we talk about these things and they are generalizations. And yet these things happen, whether it, they're in little micro aggressions or, you know, just the kind of, um, oh, sorry, I, I, I forgot to, you know, talk about what you did this meeting, but I'll remember next time, you know, it's, it's little things like that, that can really undermine the trust, as you say. And when new people come into your company, if they, if they don't feel trust or trusted, or they feel like they can't trust the people they work for and with, then you're never going to, you know, really take advantage of what might've been because they will move on. And, you know, I was just coaching a, a young lady uh, last week and she's like, I, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave this company, but I've been here for three years and they keep promising me things and they keep telling me they're going to let me do this and let me do that. And they aren't. And I said, well, you know, you got to do what feels right for you. You know, I, I would advise though, that you have, make sure that you have under, you know, over turned over every stone and, and talk to the right people. Because if you want to stay with this company, but the particular people you're working for aren't helping you out, is there someone else you can speak to? So she was going to try that approach for a while. And I, I don't know yet what, what'll come of it, but it is unfortunate because attrition is one of the biggest costs that companies have. And, and yet you see them shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly doing the same things. So uh, it, there was another woman I was just on the phone with a little while ago who was talking about how there just isn't accountability at the senior level, senior management level. You know, she's mid-management and she has accountability 
the people who work for her have accountability. But she's like, I've seen the numbers for the senior executives. They're not even close and there doesn't seem to be any accountability. So that is creating a sense of distrust. So all of those things, you know, kind of fit into the picture of, of why people don't stay. And between all the women that left the workforce during the pandemic, and now there is this something else, there is like this wave of dissatisfaction that a lot of people are talking about, how it will all shake out, who knows? I think I just mixed metaphors there, but that's okay. (laughs) There's just this, um, okay, we're back and what does it all mean kind of sense of things. Um, and we're spiraling into this economic downturn, as you mentioned. So there's a restlessness. So I, I think it's really important for employers to think about their actions and think about what they're doing to keep the environment something, some place that people want to continue to work. Because it's really easy to get, get lost in economic downturns and make a lot of bad moves. Absolutely. When you're talking, something else that came to my mind was, I'd love your thoughts on the importance and the impact of mentorship and oh, how yeah. how critical that might be. You know, whether it's getting that seat at the table or doing what we just talked about of, you know, making sure that others lift you up and, and notice you. How do you think, well, one... I. I'm going to assume you agree with mentorship, but uh, how do you, what are your suggestions for those that are listening and for, you know, the women that you work with when it comes to finding a mentor and expectations and, you know, and the flip side of that, what is your recommendations for the mentor that's going to take on the mentee that's come to them and looking for this guidance and advice? Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a really complex question, Justin. Um, and I'm it, sorry. No, no, no. It's 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 not that it can't be answered. It's just, it, well, for one, mentors. The value of mentors cannot be outweighed. I mean, it it is really important. And actually, the the very first session of the Women in Sales Leadership Forum that I run is about the importance of having mentors and sponsors sponsors being completely different than mentors. Um, And I'll hit on that in just a second, but it it really is crucial for people to have, you know, and I'm going to reference women here because that's mostly what I deal with, but it's important for women to have mentors that they can go to. And it can be, and this is the interesting thing about mentorship. It can be informal, it can be formal, it can be company sponsored it it can be you know something that you work on on your own and you can have all kinds of sponsors um people that you go to it for advice people who are sounding boards people who can talk to you about career um projection introduction and just people who might even be in another line of business that you are interested in so There's group mentoring. Uh, There's all kinds of mentoring. So I really would suggest that anyone, especially younger people um, who maybe haven't had any mentoring, uh, formalized mentoring, really look into it. 
And a lot of companies now will pair you with a mentor. And sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. So another piece of advice would be if a, a mentor isn't working for you and it's company organized, you can go to HR or whoever is organizing that and say, this you know, just doesn't feel like a good fit. You don't have to worry about hurting people's feelings or anything of that nature. If you're looking for one on your own and you're not really sure, seek out people that you just, you feel like you connect with them. And you can start by having an informal conversation. And then if you feel like it's a good fit, then you can ask them to be your mentor. The thing with mentors, especially organized ones, it's really valuable if the mentee has a sense of why they want to be mentored or what they hope to get out of it. So what is it you're trying to achieve? Do you have a timeline on what you're trying to achieve? How much time are you willing to give whatever effort this is, um, both the mentorship and whatever, you know, maybe homework there might be. If you're, if you come at it from an organized position and knowing what you want to get out of it, it makes it easier for the mentor to say yes and to guide you properly. So that, that's my advice on that. And then I do want to add on sponsorship as careers unfold and, and you are moving up the food chain, so to speak, having a sponsor is really crucial to your career growth because that person is someone who is going to speak on your behalf when you're not in the room, who's going to say, you know what, Jane would be perfect for this opportunity. I know her work. I know she's really a valuable employee and she's driven and she's got great ideas. You should talk to Jane. Those people will make sure that your name is in the hat when it comes to a particular position. And it might not even be one that you know about yet. So that's, and that's the difference between a mentor and a sponsor. A sponsor isn't somebody that you're going to call up and say, I want to, I've got a problem with, you know, a coworker or my boss isn't listening. Can we have a, have a meeting and, or coffee or something and talk about this? That's not what a sponsor does. That's what a mentor does. The sponsor is just someone who knows what you are capable of and is willing to put their name behind you. With sponsorship, where people have to ensure that they think about is that your work product, that person's work product has to prove itself because that sponsor is putting their name on the line as well. Absolutely. They're not just putting you up for, you know, a role, a project, whatever that might be. They're using their social equity and, you know, their personal brand to uh, say this person's great for that, that role or that project. So your work product better have previously backed it up and be able to back it up when you get that that opportunity. Right, right. Well, and that's the thing. Most people won't act as a sponsor unless they have seen exactly what you were just speaking of, Justin, because a sponsor is going to be someone who knows your work, who knows your work ethic, who knows you can deliver, um, who knows you've got great ideas. You know, they've seen you in action. And that's why it takes a little bit longer into your career to really get a sponsor. Whereas a mentor, you can seek out early on in your career, mid-career, and they it, 
those people won't be with you the whole time necessarily because your needs and your goals are going to change. So your mentors need to grow and change with you. But the sponsor is somebody who's going to come in at a point in your career. And it usually is after you've broken into management. Um, that, that won't always be the case. Every company's different. Every um, opportunity is different. But generally speaking, a sponsor comes into play once you've, you've made it a certain distance and they know that they can speak from experience, as you, as you say. Um, and they're willing to put their name on the line for you. And that only comes with a certain amount of time and position. I love all of the advice that you've given. And there's so many nuggets. We could talk for another half an hour because I could rip apart so many other things in this conversation. <laughs> um, but if there were a blog, book, newsletter, podcast, you know, any of those types of mediums that you could recommend someone that's listening to go consume, to go subscribe to, uh, what's a recommendation or two that you might have? Well, gosh, there's so many. Um, it, well, and I, I, you know, I'll give out shout out to the Institute's um, podcast, which is the Sales Game Changers podcast. And we have on VPs of sales and sales thought leaders, all kinds of um, people that really speak to sales careers and, um, you know, sales trends. Um, I do the women in sales interviews, and that is really about everything from growing your career to taking on new challenges and bringing in more revenue, those kinds of things. Um, I am a big fan of Brene Brown for looking internally at the things we do that might be holding us back. So I really, I recommend that to a lot of people. Um, I'm reading a lot of great books, including one that's called um, The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is You. So, and I'm, the author's name is going to escape me right now, but you can find it on Amazon. Uh, and I am a big connoisseur of LinkedIn posts by women thought leaders. And I don't mean the kind that are just, um, this is what our company is doing. Aren't we great? Women who actually put out, this is what I'm struggling with. This is why it's important. And um, there, if you, if people contact me, I will put you in touch with, or, you know, who I follow. And because there are a lot of them, too many to name here, but there is a lot of really good content on LinkedIn. And there are a lot of women that really are putting themselves out there in a really raw and intimate way. Like these are what, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what women are struggling with. How are we going to band together? What are we going to do about it? And that to me is invaluable because it's real live everyday women who are working in the industry that I am working in. So I, those are really priceless to me. So two last questions for you as we wrap up. Okay. One, who would you recommend that we bring on the show? Ooh. Well, let's see. Uh, 
I know you're talking to Sam McKenna, so yep. that's, um, and she's awesome. Um, Heidi Solomon is another, or Heidi Solomon Orlick is another great one. Um, and she does a lot of that kind of content that I was just mentioning. Um, gosh, I think you've probably like Lauren Bailey, she does, um, girls club and factor eight. She is, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be at her conference next week in Dallas doing a panel discussion on, um, a lot of this stuff. So those off the top of my head are three women that I think if you haven't had them on, you should. They really speak to a lot of what is happening in the world in terms of women in sales. Mary Shea from Outreach is another one who's just amazing. And she does a lot of her work in uh, diversity and inclusion. And she will be the first to tell you she's a real research guru and, and um, she can spout off statistics and, and numbers, uh, some of which are really alarming. So she is always a fabulous guest. Um, gosh, I sh this one this one's tough because I don't want to leave anybody out, but there are so many. So I can, I can send you that one, but it won't help yes. you. I can get it to you for the show notes. Let's put it that way. That's what I was going to say. If you... Others you think about, you can email over and we'll make sure that we add them in. Perfect. Um, and final, the final one, the, the easy softball one, how can people <laughs> get in touch with you that, after this? All right. Well, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn, Gina Stracuzzi, S-T-R-A-C-U-Z-Z-I. Um, you can find me through the Institute for Excellence in Sales website. Um, and you know, I'm sure my email will be in the show notes too. And I would love to hear from anyone that's got questions or would like some more information. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. I know there are, are a lot of great takeaways, many of which will be included in the show notes and highly encourage everyone to take out a notebook when they listen to this. <laughs> well, thank you, Justin. I really appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, I appreciate being part of the demand base, 100 most powerful women in sales. Lovely honor. Thank you. Thank you. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Base TV.